Hello, hello, hello once again and welcome to the Practical Marketing Podcast with myself, Niall McCrano. In episode one, we gave you a quick overview of what we hope to achieve within the remit of this podcast and, and just the kind of things that, that I think should be um, delivered to small business owners today um, and on a larger scale as well. This week we will be looking at why marketing is important, we'll be looking at how to get started and we will also be looking at one of those theories I mentioned in episode one. We will look at Porter's five forces as it relates directly with getting started. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by N. McCraner Marketing. Visit nmcraner.com today, throw a donation to the podcast and receive a free marketing consultation. If you don't need a consultation, feel free to purchase one of our books. Well, by one of, I mean our only book, um, a novel I wrote myself called Powerless. Powerless is... Uh, my debut novel and it focuses around Lisa Bada, an average man in a not so average world due to a premature birth Lee has not developed superpowers like everybody else on the planet and must hide it from those he loves Lee's thirst for knowledge leads him on the trail of a far-reaching government conspiracy while investigating this his beloved brother goes missing and Lee must use all his training instilled onto him by his father to find out what happened to his brother where Lee comes face to face with an undefeatable foe powerless in a world of superpowers what happens when you have none we will start by looking at uh, why marketing is important today uh, one of the big things that people would always say to me and I suppose is a common misconception is they feel that marketing it's just advertising um this is not the case marketing is a lot lot more it's an ethos it's it's a way of getting on it's um it's a culture that can be spread throughout an organization and it gives people an identity of your company it gives people a vision of what you are where you are going it's a plan it, it, it's all of the above now there's benefits to to it obviously it gets the word out about your company it makes people know your brand what you stand for what your products are depending on who you're targeting like that should be tied into into your brand identity and your brand's uh, message so if you're targeting male obviously you'll have more of a male centric uh, marketing mix if you're targeting women or different demographics different geographies like if you're targeting as i'm from the republic i might have a localized campaign but if you're in countries like the uk your market is much broader and you've you've better scope to to get the word out uh, it encourages sales depending on on the message like if if your marketing plan is a product centric um drive it will it will encourage people maybe to your website or to your store and it will encourage sales now there is there is companies out there where the marketing identity isn't necessarily to do with with, with selling a particular product like there's a lot of maybe branding where they're trying to build an overall brand so if you're a larger company maybe like nike might have an ad where it's just about it's about running or it's about football where it, it's not one specific product but it's a whole range it's a whole brand so that would be covered in in, in that um it allows you to build a reputation uh with your prospective customers or even people who are customers like 
you're able to, to, to put out ads and you're able to, well, not even just ads, but like you're able to, to build to build an image of your company that you want. And and if you don't build a, the image for your company, you might find that someone else will. Maybe one of your competitors might turn around and put up an ad uh, saying, like not even necessarily putting up an ad de de degrading your company, but they might say, if you are if you own a tavern or a pub in the town, they could say, best, best pint of Guinness in the town. And unless you address that, people might automatically assume that their product is better than your product. So by doing nothing, you're allowing other people the power to, to control your reputation. So it's very important to, to, to be able to, um, to put out a message, to be able to, to control what people think and see relating to your brand. Um, it also promotes healthy competition, as I mentioned there, like, if you don't if you don't promote yourself somebody else could demote yourself um through their marketing so what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to put your message out there as an option for for your target audience if you have two companies competing for one target audience you need to make sure that they know who you are and what your product is now i'll actually discuss this on a case study uh just now in a few minutes um, as I said earlier, people often mistake marketing for advertising. Advertising is a part of marketing, but it's not marketing. It's a branch on the, on, on the tree that is marketing. Marketing really consists of advertising. Uh, advertising uh, along with community involvement, uh, customer support, distribution, market research, media planning, product pricing, public relations and sales strategy. So, say with regards to advertising, there's, there's two different types of advertising, main platforms. You have traditional advertising, which is your newspapers, radio, TV, outdoor advertising. So, anything that, that you can physically put your hands on or view from something that is not a digital platform, like a computer or a tablet or a or a phone or something and therein obviously is the second form of advertising digital advertising this is obviously it's online you have display advertising which is all the little pop-up ads or a nice little graphic and then you have the uh, google adwords would be the other type of advertising where it's search engine advertising um online has a lot of benefits uh to driving traffic to your website um, you need a good website obviously because there's no point paying for advertising if you're driving someone to a website that, that isn't good with regards to traditional advertising um, the costs on this are quite high and they're hard it's harder to to control and manage your costs because because the scale is so much bigger than than the digital platform so what a lot of large companies do is they employ media agencies to look after their their traditional their and their digital all their advertising but what what i would have done in the past i actually worked in one of these agencies and so what happens is a, a big company would come to you and they'd have a target audience and they'd have a budget and then it would be up to me then to go and negotiate rates and know why i'm going and which newspaper and and which radio station because it would resonate well with the target audience so 
like I would have had that background, but it's very hard if you don't know if you don't know who your target audience is listening to if you can't get the research behind it. But when you do digital advertising, it, it rules out a lot of things because you can do like you've keyword searches. So what you do is you pick what keywords you want. So I'm a marketing consultant. If I want advertising on my website, I buy the keywords marketing consultant. So say someone goes into Google and types online marketing consultant, my website comes up at the top and hopefully someone would will pop on and, and hire me to be their consultant. So that's how it works. And then you, 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 you bid for for the keywords so some keywords cost more than others like you'll never be able to compete with 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 massive companies like tesco's or debenhams or kmart or something like that for online advertising because they just they pay so much for their their google adwords it's it's just a non-entity but they also rank very high with seo so if you're competing or if you're if you're industry is is in competition with with any of these larger scale companies what you need to do is you need to create create an online environment whereby anybody who engages with your brand kind of finds it easy to get to your website so the best way to do that is obviously through through a good well-refined um firstly adwords campaign you'll still need one just keep the budget low and then what you also need to do is you need to have an incentivized um newsletter on your website so you need to give someone a reason to sign up for the newsletter so say whether it's five euro off the first sale or five percent if once you get them details you have a direct path to your potential customer secondly to this you also need a good social media campaign you need to i'll address this i'll go through all this on a, on a later episode where i will address social media and driving traffic and everything but what you need to do is you need to focus your the, the scope of your um of your campaign like there's no point having ten thousand followers on twitter if only 200 of them are your target audience and only 200 are your customers so like on Facebook there's a lot of people who like and share competitions and and brand engagement and things like that these are all very good good ideas everybody's doing it for a reason because it works you know and 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 if you have a competition where it's a like and share like if say I I done one for the pharmacy recently and um like everybody on F facebook page would have been um our target audience so within the target audience um obviously friends of theirs and friends of friends were all were all of a similar of a similar um background so they would have been at an extended target audience so we had a like and share competition and within one day we had 600 likes and 600 shares so that boosted our website overall by 20 percent so things like this that the create engagement um are, are are fantastic you'll also need a good blog to drive people to your website you'll need you know a blog and a video blog are, are, are both very important because on a video blog you can create your youtube channel so that's another social media output but every video you have is a blog post where you just transcribe it below but you would also keep it engaging like 
I'm currently doing work with uh, one of Ireland's largest online retailers for for golf golf clubs, golf equipment, and all that sort of stuff. So the way that they keep it engaging is by having a blog post that's you know the five best drivers for under a hundred euro, and then and then they review each driver, and then each driver has a video, like a golf club driver, and each one has a video, and then each video and each blog post has a link back directly to the product on the website now by doing this you have a blog post you have a video you have a tweet for twitter and you have a, a facebook post as well so you're always driving traffic back to your website you so you're once you've established and built an audience you use content to drive people back to your website one of the big things i always ask anybody um who asks me for a consult a consultation i look at the website and I'll say to them one very simple question. Why would I buy off you as opposed to your competition? What sets you apart? So what I would do is I would look at it. And if it's just a store like any other store, like if the price is the same, if the if the, the, the price for delivery is the same, why would I switch from where I am to where I'm going? So again, the things that I'm saying will incentivize you. So if you have a newsletter where people sign up and get five euro off a sale so they'll have signed up so you'll have their details but they also feel like they get something they get five euro off a sale so they're more inclined to maybe actually buy something to get that saving so so you're you're kind of you're kind of enticing them into into the sale like and along with that if you've no content on your website you're just a store you're just you might as well you know you're just throwing things up there and hoping someone buys it content is king content is king today and you need to have it and it not only needs to be content it needs to be good people don't want to feel like they're being tricked online because people there's a lot of skepticism and cynicism still with buying online people are unsure because they're not walking into a shop so and, and talking to someone unless you're buying from someone like tesco as i say or dunn stores or or like an established retailer if someone lands on your website and they don't know who you are they need to trust you. Content is a big way of doing that. You're helping them get, you're helping them get to know you and to know what you are and to know what you're doing. Community involvement is important as well with, with 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 marketing because like if you're if you work in a in a if you work in a shop in a small town and there's another shop next door, so why would I buy off your shop as opposed to the next one? Well, maybe your shop sponsors the local football team. Maybe your shop uh, collects money for guide dogs. Maybe your shop, you know, hires only local people and supports local and, and, and buys only from local suppliers and local producers. So that sort of community involvement and that sort of culture, again, will drive people towards your brand because you're building your brand identity and you're strengthening your marketing, um, your marketing ethos. Customer support is also important. If someone comes in to me, um, I'm going to use the local shop again for, for, for an example. If someone comes into a local shop and says, I bought some grapes from you yesterday, they weren't nice or they were gone off or they were whatever if you know this person comes into you every week and gets their local shopping go over and give them a new a new pundit of grapes and say there you go there's some grapes i am very sorry for it um for yesterday um i'll i'll, I'll note it with the manager 
you know the you know your customers you know people that are coming in people don't try and con you and especially out of something small like that generally speaking people are good and people people don't want hassle and don't want to to, to be an annoyance so trust them and and offer the customer support when the customer comes to you support them give give them the reason you know give them the reason why to come back you know get, make, make sure that when they feel when they leave they feel like that that they were they were listened to that their issue was addressed and that they are satisfied and if you do that you'll never have trouble with customer support distribution is important as well if someone buys something off you today and if you say you're going to deliver in three to five working days and if they have to call you back in two weeks and say hang on where's my product i still haven't got it they will never buy off you again they'll never buy off you again because they know that 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 because you've bad distribution they just won't trust your whole you they won't trust your company they won't trust anything market research is also very important you need to know your market you need to know who your competitors are this will come in as i talk about porter's five forces a little bit later on you need to know your target audience who they are where they are and more importantly what they want and how like and how much they're willing to pay for it everybody is a price point every product is a price point like if i was buying if i was buying a pair of runners my price point could be 60 80 90 100 dollars so anything below that price point in my head i might buy that product and not even think about it because it's within it but if i'm paying over a hundred dollars i'm going to think very carefully about the product that i'm going to buy so you need to know what the price point is for your your target audience you you need to know your area you need to know like like if i buy if i bring in this product why won't it sell as well as opposed to this one maybe in the area people don't like a particular supplier or a particular range or something like that media planning uh that comes down to your planning agency that's if you're if you're doing a, a larger scale um campaign but i suppose if you're doing a small one too it, it still is relevant if 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 you have a tight budget you need to know if you're going to advertise when is the best time like if you if you're retail um a 60 percent of retail sales come come on the run up to christmas so from september or between september and christmas you'll do 60 percent of your sales so you need to know that maybe that that's the best time to do through your your um your your advertising or if you're doing summer holiday focused products maybe the best time is january february when people are planning for the for the year so you know then if you're a pharmacy you need to know that you know when the the sun cream sells or when when people weight loss or non-smoking products you need to know what products sell when to best plan your media planning as I just mentioned earlier, product pricing is very important. Very important because the price point a lot of people have, you need to know what it is. You need to not price yourself out of the market either. You need to be not too dear that a pro uh, customer won't buy it, or too cheap that you're not making any money and you're undervaluing your actual product. So you need to to look at the best way to price your products now what i always do is i look at the competition i see what they're selling a product for how much and why and i try and i try and gauge what they're thinking now this is very useful unless you're a brand new product to market which which then your price point will be 
will be very different because it's what you kind of said yourself just from your own market research public relations uh, marketing directly affects your public relations because once you create your website your blog you do your press releases your email marketing your social media marketing even your traditional marketing this all leads to public relations and 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 how you engage the public with your brand your sales strategy will also be tightly linked in with with your marketing research because there's no point having thinking you're going to have a big sales drive in august if you've no marketing in august so what you need to do is on the run up the weeks running up to august you need to have your campaign planned you need to have it well refined and you need to be able to execute it when your sales strategy needs to come into into effect so if i think from august the first i'm going to have my, my sales are going to increase by 20 percent my marketing needs to increase by at least 40 percent because i need to engage the prospective customers that i want to get that 20 percent boost from this makes it uh this makes it a lot more whole when you bring things together like that and it gives you the best chance to achieve the actual goals that you want to set up by your sales strategy uh, I suppose I mentioned earlier the difference between you marketing and allowing your competitors to do marketing for yourselves and the importance of marketing. I'm going to throw back just to one of the, it's probably one of the world's most famous case studies with regards to marketing. It was called the Serial Wars during the Great Depression in the late 1920s. It was between two companies. One was called Post and the other is well known to all of us called Kellogg's. Uh, post during the Great Depression nearly cut all the marketing budget. They 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 stopped spending. They tried to to curb the loss of sales by not spending money and save jobs and do things like that. Kellogg's doubled its marketing spend. It pushed new brands, and one I'm sure we're all familiar with called Rice Krispies, Snap Crackle and Pop was the was the three little men on the box even back then. By 1933, profits rose by 30% in Kellogg's and Post nearly went out of business. It's it goes. It's fair to say that Kellogg's won the, the serial wars. It wasn't much of a war. It was more of a massacre. But this kind of highlights the importance of marketing and where you should be in your marketing mindset. Marketing is not really an expense. It's an investment. Post saw it as an, as, as, as an expense and they thought, right, well, this is just an expense we can cut and we can save this money and we'll, we'll survive the, 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 the tough times ahead. Whereas Kellogg's knew that they were investing in themselves. They were getting their brands out there. They were making it known to, to the people across America and, and subsequently they, they benefited from it. The second part of the podcast, as I said, it is getting started. So... I'll just quickly go through it because getting started is it's literally what it says in the tin. Uh, there's a good bit of marketing there actually by a company that I'm quoting. Um, to get started, you need to identify your target audience. Um, this is the basis of your strategy. Okay, so firstly, is it a B2B, a business-to-business marketing strategy, or is it a B2C, a business-to-consumer marketing strategy? So that will define... Um, certain paths and certain that 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 will just that's the first thing you need to establish which you know your business anyway then the next thing you need to do is if it's b2c you're looking at the sex 
you're looking at the age you're looking at the geography the geography and you're also looking at the demographics of your of your potential um your potential target audience so you need to know if it's males over 55 you need to know that because males over 55 they're not going to be on facebook they're not going to be on twitter you might get them an email on email marketing you get them on google adwords so it just helps you curve where where your focus is you'll get them on local radio and things like that if your audience is women between 18 and 24 you'll get them on pinterest you'll get them on instagram you'll get them on snapchat you'll get them on um facebook um i'm not sure twitter what that resonates with that particular demographic but things then you would get them less on would be your ad boards and would also be your uh, email marketing you need to focus on creating a clear and succinct message uh, and aim it at a specific audience so again if you're targeting if you're targeting men over 55 you're not going to have britney spears as your spokesperson you know you need to just think about these things and know what resonates well with the people and don't patronize don't patronize prospective customers because people are smart people are intelligent and people if you treat them right they'll listen so form a message that is informative it's non-aggressive it's it's something that that is beneficial to them and if it's not beneficial to a particular person it's just not beneficial like once they see the message it's up to them to make up their mind whether they want to engage with a product or not so what you're doing is you're putting the message in front of them and then you're letting them decide what they want to do you need to identify the best channel to make sure your message is known so as i mentioned before whether it's online or offline you need to be able to engage with your prospective customers where they are going to be so if you're targeting someone like myself i listen to a lot of podcasts i am online a lot i am a male in my 30s i like sports so you're building you're building kind of an overview of of engagements where you could touch in and out with with, with your target audience uh, content is king i mentioned that before and i'll say it again when it comes to marketing content is king with blogs videos podcasts like if you consider in the past if you wanted to get a video seen by by customers you had to be on tv and you had to spend hundreds of thousands of euros just to be seen by anybody i can literally set up a video camera and with a green screen and make a video that 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 you would see on tv that, that's as good as any and i can put that online today so there's no there's no um barriers anymore with, with creating content and getting it across like simple as this you're listening to my podcast now in the past i would have had to have gone to multiple radio stations i would have had to pitch the idea of the practical marketing podcast and it would have been so much more difficult now people who are listening to this are obviously my target audience because you're maybe an sme owner you want to build your own personal brand you want to just push your own name out there so you're my target audience now obviously i'm giving free content but it's content I get to put across the message of my own website and my own books and things like that so it benefits me to be able to do this to help you now if you consider your product 
is there a reason why you could create a podcast so if you're in retail sales and you're creating and you're selling um shoes just just off the top of my head shoes so is is there scope to make videos about shoes yes there is can you compare them to each other yes you can so you, you can do a video comparison you can do blogs you can do maybe not so much um podcasts because it's very visual but you you have the other options in front of you so you don't need to pay people hundreds of thousands of euro to do this you can do it yourself like th- th- there is no issue like i'm literally recording this on my own home laptop with uh, a decent microphone and i'm going to put the content up later today so the, the content is king and you can now control your own content and it's <laughs> it's pretty much amazing at this stage that we can do this um, when you're planning your marketing campaigns, what you do is you plan it 12 months in advance. You split it by quarter. So January, February, March is quarter one. April, May, June, two. July, August, September, three. October, November, December, four. You split it in and then you know where your, where your peaks and troughs are within your sales and you focus your marketing around that. Like, Again, as I say, if you're retail, you're focusing more September, October, November, and the, the first few weeks of December. After that, it'll, it'll filter off. If you're if if you're a travel agent, as I mentioned before, January, February, March. If you sell sun cream, June, July, August. You know, so you need to know when your your product is at its strongest, and then that's when you upweight your marketing and then throughout the rest of the year still maintain a strong marketing presence but it just doesn't need to be upweighted as much make sure your plan is dynamic and fluid so make sure that if if something changes in the marketplace today like a new competitor comes in or a new a new product or or people's mindsets or, or trends change make sure that you that your plan is able to adapt if something happens this week that you feel might interfere with um with with your marketing strategy again i'm going to use uh, a travel agent as an example uh, if there's a disaster in belgium like there was a few weeks ago or tunisia like there was a few years ago obviously you're not going to push those pl- destinations um as as your as your your go-to areas but what you might do is you might pick somewhere else you might pick italy or spain or france so that's being dynamic and being fluid so you're 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 allowing the focus of your marketing campaign to shift while still maintaining the actual focus on marketing you allow for variables in the unforeseen and different things like that so that's kind of how you get started now i'll get into more of this at a later date with regarding um the actual uh, dynamics of it, the actual physics of it, where I'll, I'll discuss your website, your, your actual content, how to get it out there, how to put it up, how to create your videos, how to make money from your videos. Like, like if you throw up a video, like if, you, if you're just a brand yourself and you just want to create content, fantastic, like that's amazing. So what you do is you create the video, you put it up on YouTube and, and you can monetize it to show ads and then you're actually making money off your content. If you have a blog that's online, you can open it up to Google AdSense and you can open it up to very various different um, advertising platforms. So when someone is on your website, 
you're getting paid for them to read your your content now that's only that works well for products that are brands obviously if you're selling products on your website never do that because then you're you're driving people away from your website but if you're just if you're creating um if you're creating an online platform like like there's there's websites out there like joe.ie is a famous irish website where it, it's essentially clickbait where they post things online about conor mcgregor or or irish football or things like that but then you go down the bottom of the page and it's all advertising all all driving traffic away from their website because they don't sell any products other than 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 what i call clickbait um they can do that and they can afford to do that so they have that advertising on it so they're making money when you click on onto their website so it's quite ingenious for for people who have a platform where a lot of people engage with the brand and it mightn't necessarily have a specific product as i said at the start of the show i would talk about um one of the theories i mentioned in episode one given that i'm talking about getting started and and how to to build how to build where your marketing um campaign i'm going to talk about porter's five forces uh, this analysis is associated uh, with its principal innovator, Michael E. Porter of Harvard University. Now, what Porter's Five Forces is, it, it's a framework that attempts to analyze the level of competition within an industry and business strategy. Uh, it draws upon uh, industrial organization economics to derive five forces that determine the competitive intensity and therefore attractiveness of the industry. So there's five forces that when you look at your market or you look at a potential new market that you want to bring out that, that, that you need to take into that you need to take into account. So say the first one is supplier power. So that's the that's the power of people that you buy from. So like if you if you want to sell Apple products and you and that's what you want to do then the supplier power in that pro- in that industry is massive because if you want to sell apple products you have to buy from apple and your price point is already decided so so like you're already restricted in, in in what you do but if you want to sell something like an android product where the platform's open where there's different brands there's different things the supplier power diminishes diminishes substantially straight away so like the supplier power like it can moderate the number what you need to do is moderate the number of suppliers if the suppliers are very large as i said the likes of apple it's hard um where where the suppliers with similar products they have a, a, a better power like but, but you can still choose who you want to buy from you need to be able to substitute substitute your suppliers so if i go to one supplier this week and i say i need a hundred of product x and they don't have it i need to be able to to be able to substitute that with another similar product that i can say to my customer look it's the same product um it's just got a different name or it's 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 normally dearer but i'll give it to you at the same price so things like that kind of kind of help with that you need to be able to change your suppliers because if you constantly only buy from one supplier and if they put the price up or if they change their policy or if they discontinue the products that you have like that's 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 effectively an ale in a coffin for any business you need neutral supplier power you need you need to be able to 
to substitute in and out you need to be able to to minimize their power with 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 what you're doing now unless you are the supplier of course um the threat of substitution so some cross-sell product substitution um the ability to import food uh, and some substitutions like that so again i'll use maybe the the android the android um example if i want to sell android products right i can buy in a sony ericsson phone or, or tablet or i can buy in a samsung phone or tablet now, essentially they're the same thing they run the same platforms they run you know there's not much like, other than price style performance wise generally speaking if it's the same spec it's the same thing if it's the same core processors if it's the same memory the same ram like one can be easily substituted for the other so so that's that's one of the the, the threats with that another threat is buyer power so if you're selling that this is more b2b so if you're selling a product and you only have one or two customers how can you reduce the power that the buyers have so say here's a good example dairy farmers dairy farmers in ireland generally speaking sell to glanbia dairies and they have the power to set the price of the milk and there's nothing the dairy farmers can do about it because there is no again there's no substitutes so the buyers have all the power Whereas if there was maybe four or five or six or seven different companies competing to get the milk from from the from the dairy farmers, the price could go up because they have more power to, to decide who to sell it to and and where then the the buyers have to bid to get the milk. So it creates a, it, it's better for the economy and it's better for, for everybody to reduce buyer power, obviously unless you're the buyer um the threat of new entrants to the market this 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 is very very important in, in certain industries again with, with things popping up like alibaba and aliexpress i'll talk about these sites later but these make it very very easy for for you or i or anybody to to just go on and buy nearly any product we want to stock it and sell it it makes things very very sim simple so it, it if there's a barrier to stopping people entering the market, it, it, it can benefit you if you're already in it. Or if you have to overcome that barrier now, you might find down the line that it has actually protected you later on. Unless you get stung, unless that barrier gets removed. So I'll give you two quick examples of, of, of one where it's a pro and one where it's a con. Within the within the pharmacy, uh, the pharmaceutical industry in Ireland, if you want to sell products online, you have to pay five thousand euro to the PSI, so the Pharmaceutical Society of Ireland. So just to be registered as an online pharmacy, you automatically have to pay that. So say if I went online tomorrow to AliExpress and bought loads of pharmaceutical stuff and went to sell it online, I I couldn't. And if I did, I would be disassociated from a pharm. I couldn't call myself an online pharmacy in Ireland without being regulated. So. I would have to pay that 5000 but if I could afford to pay that 5000 it stops other people doing it too. So that's where it will protect me after I have paid it. Now, the problem that can come from that, this is example two, 
is if that 5,000 then gets removed. So I've paid 5,000 euro, I'm at 5,000 euro. And I'm depending on this, sorry, that's 5,000 euro a year. So I'm depend. I think. So <laughs> I'm depending on this to, um, I'm depending on this to protect me from, from have a go heroes, from, from jumping into the market and, and just trying to, trying to sell their products to, to, to compete with me. Uh, when that gets removed, this is example two, as I said, if you consider the taxi regulation in Ireland, in the early 90s, you would have had to pay 10,000 euro to get a taxi license in Ireland, a taxi plate. Um, and it protected you because only only a certain amount of people could afford it. So it kept the number of taxis down, but it kept the quality of the service up high. Now, in the mid-90s, the Irish government deregulated it. So that meant anybody could become a taxi driver. Just get your license, get your car. Once it met a certain standard, uh, you could be a taxi driver. And this meant that was the problem then and is the problem now. Cities like Dublin are absolutely inundated with taxi drivers so anywhere you go in dublin there's a hundred taxis and and one customer so the the value and the, the cost of the product has gone down and and it has affected people's livelihoods and and once that barrier was removed it so to speak the floodgates opened up the last and fifth the final one is competitive rivalry so what you need to consider is if there's too many competitors you need to consider the commodity of the products low switching costs low customer loyalty uh high cost of leaving the market so if there's too many competitors if like if there's if, if there's three if there's three florists right next door to each other why would you go to one and not the other when one is cheaper so it when things like that happen price becomes the, the, the main factor and and obviously service to, to some degree but if you look at if you look at the supermarket um industry this is what has happened here there's so many different types of supermarket like if i look at ireland alone you've um dunn stores tesco uh little aldi centra spa there's all these different chains that that you know, there's just so many of them. Why would you go to one over the other? And it just means that, that other things come in come into play. The commodity of the products, so how much your products are worth or, or, or what they're worth, where you can get them if they're cheaply bought. Um, you know, if, 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 I've, if I... Here's a good example. If I buy fruit in one shop and I know it's good, but then I buy it in another shop and it's half the price but it's not as good, which do I buy it from? Now, personally, I would buy it from the shop that's good and, uh, and dearer, but a lot of people, the trends seem to go, people would buy it in for cheaper and eat it that day rather than have it last a couple of days extra. Um, low customer loyalty. So how do you address this? How do you do you create customer loyalty? How do you how do you um how do you get people to identify with your brand as being the the industry leader, and how do you do how do you remove that 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 as as a barrier? You need to create your ethos. You, this is where your marketing comes in, and it, it it's very important that people you create customer loyalty. If you give a customer what they want, they will be loyal. So, marketing is important for for all these things. Now, as I said, that's Porter's five forces. So 
that's one theory. So if you want to have a look at it online and go through it and see how it relates to, to you and your company, it's important when you're looking at, uh, at a new market or even when you're analysing your own market, it's important to know what are the strengths within your industry. Like, as I say, it's supplier power, threat of substitution, buyer power, threat of new entry and competitive rivalry. So that's Porter's Five Forces and that is very important to know. That's everything for this week. Next week we hope to cover the marketing mix and segmentation, although things may change between now and then. Visit nmcrainer.com today to get your marketing consultation or throw a donation to the podcast and receive your first one free. You can buy my book Powerless, which is also available on Amazon.com. It's available in paperback and it's also available in Kindle version. So from everyone here at the podcast, I would like to thank you for listening and make sure you rate, comment and subscribe. And thank you and goodbye.